Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Now, over the last year, I've gotten several requests to do interviews specifically about parenting. We have a lot of young parents uh, in the Bible Institute and just in terms of our listenership. And they have a lot of interest in what it means to raise a, a child in a way that is glorifying to God. And it's not a very easy thing to do. Uh, when I was in children's ministry, we would often say that there's a lot of good Christians uh, who aren't necessarily good Christian parents. In other words, we have the ability to be spiritual and understand our responsibilities in ministry, but somehow along the way, uh, not learn or neglect uh, some of the, the important principles necessary to raise our children to follow Jesus Christ as disciples. And so this is a big deal, and, a peop and people have a lot of questions about this. And so we figured we'd invite um, one of our experts in, uh, Pastor Dr. Chris Best, who is the professor of the children's and young adult ministry class in LFBI, but he's also the children's pastor at Midtown Baptist Temple. Not only that, he's raised five children of his own uh, who are now fully grown and serving the Lord for themselves. And so his testimony, his experiences are really important to us, uh, not only at the Bible Institute, but at Midtown Baptist Temple. He's uh, he's our in-house expert, and we want to share him with you today. So that's what we're going to do, and we hope that you enjoy it and that it's profitable. And so with that, uh, Pastor Chris, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always good to have you here. Yeah, I get to come hang out with the cool kids for a while. All right, well, yeah. I, guess, I guess so. Uh, but it's good <laughs> having you because... You dabble in lots of things. So, you know, it's children's ministry, it's missions, it's lots of different things that, that you're involved with in the Bible Institute. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about kids, obviously. Yeah, perfect. I, and I love this because our children and youth ministry class is really more about children's ministry and youth ministry. Like we don't get into parenting, which if someone's going to be equipped, man, we need this. So this is yeah, perfect. Yeah, I agree. In terms of just a broad perspective of what you've seen, I mean, you've been parenting for quite some time yourself. You've been in ministry for quite some time. Over the last few decades, how have you seen, particularly in, I guess, American culture, how have you seen parenting change and, and even the way that, that people approach uh, raising their children? How has that changed over the last decades? Yeah, so I became a parent in 1990. Okay. So been doing this for a long time. And, and, and of course, before that we were kids. So we experienced our parents parenting us. And mm -hmm. then as we became parents, you start to think through it a little bit more deliberately, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so things have changed dramatically. Okay. There, there's been huge shifts in parenting mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's pretty much mirrored what's happened in society and culture at large, where, where culture has gone from a Christian worldview to, uh, you know, it, it was the postmodern worldview where mm -hmm. truth becomes relative. Well, now we don't have roles. We don't have a, a Christian worldview where we have a dad and a mom who are functioning according to biblically described roles. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's been mirrored in in the media, you know, it used to be leave it to Beaver, right? You know, and and the moms there with the kids, keeping home, and and dads off at work, and she would say, "Wait till your father comes home," and and then dad would yeah. come home, and he'd like, you know, right. set things straight, and there was these, and it was, I mean, it's all silly, yeah. Hollywood. And this probably had its own problems, but things were clearly defined. There were clearly defined roles, and no one had a problem with it. Mm -hmm. No one in my generation was like, well, leave it to Beaver. That's that's terrible because it's misogynistic, traditional role. Okay, so now the terms have changed and it's no longer what does the Bible say, it's what does culture say. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear things now that 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 is promoting like a, so so you'll hear that now. Well, that's misogynistic to say that a woman should be a keeper at home. Well, wait, wait. I, we're not talking about traditional gender roles. We were just doing what kind of what the Bible presented. Mm -hmm. Like Titus, is, chapter two says women, I, like I'm not saying, 
I'm not misogynistic. We just we just all functioned according to a Christian worldview. Yeah, right. Now there that isn't in society, and what we have is we have influencers mm-hmm. on all of our screens influencing the family and influencing people's decision makings. And we don't, you know, we don't have that nuclear family with clearly defined roles. Parents aren't influencing kids. Who the influencers on YouTube are influencing yeah. kids. And 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 so the whole thing has changed dramatically. And it's changed for the worse. We we didn't have people committing suicide in junior high when I was in junior high. But, you know, the more hours you spend on screens, that just goes up and up and up and up. And, Mm -hmm. you know. The problems have clearly become more complex and we've made them that way. Yes. Uh, The the definitions have changed. The vocabulary has become more complex. Um, Psychology has made everything uh, very fluid Mm -hmm. and um, undefinable. And and all of these things have contributed to the failures that we're seeing within that you know, nuclear family and yeah. homes are divided, divorce is common, um, and people don't even know, you know, what gender they are anymore. And yeah. so all of those things obviously compound and produce, um, you know, negative outcomes. And so Christians have their work cut out for us as far as uh, raising kids in this world. Absolutely, and, yeah. And today I want to focus primarily on what it looks like to raise kids in that kind of infant, toddler, preschool time frame. And, uh, and the wonderful thing about knowing uh, Chris is that he's also a doctor. He's a physician and, and he knows uh, the way the brain works. And so maybe you can describe for us briefly why is it in terms of developmentally, why is that time frame between birth and about five years old, so critical to the way a, a person turns out really for the rest of their life. Why is that such an important time? Yeah, and that's, well, and you just hit it. Okay, so early childhood development is how is what you would read about in, mm-hmm. in terms of studies and that sort of a thing. Early childhood development, those early years is where the foundations are laid for the entire rest of a human being's life. And it, there are there's certain thresholds that need to be hit at the right time in terms of brain development, in terms of brain chemistry, for for a, for a person to do well later in life, and mm-hmm. a person's emotions, a person's ability to interact socially, learning, reading, other language skills, uh, all those things. Are, are, are skills that are built upon the foundation that comes in these early years. And, and there were studies that, that showed that to be the case. And then that's why there's a big push now for early childhood development centers like mm-hmm. Head Start and other, you know, like government run preschool programs that will get kids who are in, coming from hard places into an environment where there can be some nurturing and there can be some what 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 you need is you need an authoritative but yet warm interactive uh it, it, the the ideal is the family mm-hmm. you sure. know but if, if, if that's not going to happen at home they say well we can do this in early right. childhood development centers and they're trying to reproduce what a good family would reproduce and what does that mean, though, if if a, if one of those markers is missed, if if the proper stimuli doesn't come at the right moment? I mean, what what can be lost in terms of physiology and the, and and brain development? What can be lost that's really almost unrecoverable in some ways? Yeah. So I'll give you one example: attachment disorder. So there's there is a process that's it's includes biochemistry mm-hmm. in the brain, and the brain develops during those 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 first year or two. There is an attachment with their parent, with their caregiver. Mm-hmm. So this child is is doesn't know anything. They're completely dependent upon their parent. As that child begins to learn and think and interact and and receive stimulus stimuli and then be able to respond to it, and there is an attachment that forms with their parent or or guardian, whoever. Mm-hmm. Okay, if that gets messed up then that child, there's a thing called attachment disorder. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so there's kids and they're doing really poorly 
in preschool and they're doing poorly in elementary school and junior high they get in fights all the time and and then in their foster homes and in their adopted homes the, these kids do not have the ability to make proper social attachments and it's a trust issue they're always they're always they're sure they're going to be abandoned and mm-hmm. so they're just pushing that envelope all the time trying to prove that this person who's supposed to love them is going to abandon them and it's just what happened? Well, they didn't attach mm-hmm. <laughs> like they were supposed to. Something bad happened in those early years and they missed that developmental milestone. Yeah. And so they're messed up. Mm-hmm. No, nothing's impossible with God. Sure. And we all need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So I'm not saying it's a hopeless situation. Right. But I know people and, you know, they're in their 50s and they, still are struggling with mm-hmm. attachment disorder yeah. and the family can't contact them and if they do they we're just proven they're right if we don't then we're proven we abandon them yeah like you can't win but it's, it's a lifelong it's a str- it's a struggle that people run into regardless uh, because they didn't get they didn't meet that milestone the way they, that they were didn't get it to. when they needed it and it's too and late there, and, and there's yeah. several different milestones like that in that time frame uh, other than just attachment, there's other different milestones yeah. um, that, that people need to hit. Yeah, some people, they they never learn to read. Yeah, I mean, they, they know how to read, but they never learn to be readers because mm-hmm. their parents never read to them. Right. They never learned to interact socially because they were just set off on the side somewhere. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, you, you miss those things. And, and again, people can learn and adjust and right. adapt, but it, it right. can be pretty rough yeah. yeah yeah and so with everything you just said as a from a doctor's perspective now let's look at it maybe from the pastor's perspective uh, mm-hmm. and talk about how important and critical it is in this stage of life for a kid to be properly raised uh, from a christian perspective and uh, what does that what does that look like a little bit maybe explain that for us yeah so it's kind of the same thing Okay, so the the cement hardens on our neuroplasticity and our worldview gets established about nine years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, but a lot of those foundational things are just learned really early. During the preschool years especially, some of the most important things that, that we're supposed to learn, that, that's where they're learned. Okay, there's a book I think that's um, like everything ever needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's kind of the same premise. So a preschooler needs to learn to obey. Preschooler can learn to obey. Well, I know a lot of adults who never learn to obey and they don't yeah. obey God and they get the results of it and they're frustrated. Right. Well, they didn't learn to obey when they were three. Mm-hmm. So they can't do it when they're 40. Okay, so they need to learn to respect you need to okay so the like honor your father and mother that's like that's number five that's yeah. one of the top <laughs> ten that's a big deal yeah our kids today everything on social media teaches them to disrespect authorities mm-hmm. disrespect your people who are older disrespect your mother and father fathers used to be revered in the family they used to be looked up to now it's like we're all homer simpson right you know and 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 so okay so we as christians we as bible believers more specifically we need to teach our kids to obey okay what's the whole duty of man fear god there's respect and keep his commandments there's obey Mm -hmm. teach your three-year-old to respect and to obey and and guess what you've you've kind of taught him the whole duty of man and he's three years Mm -hmm. old You've got him set up for life. Teach him to share. Hey, that thing, that's not that's not just for you. It's you, you, you can bless others with it. Have an outward focus. A, mm. a, a four-year-old can think through, hey, how can we help my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my friend? How can we help them have a really good day? Maybe we could draw them a picture and we'll make someone else happy. And you can start that when they're that age. And mm-hmm. And if, if that's the foundation, man, they, they're, they're kind of set to start moving forward in life. If they go to school, 
And, and well, now they're going to look at others and they're going to already have a framework for how, what can I do to help make other people happy? Yeah. And so, you know, those are, those are things. And if a child isn't taught to honor the mother and father, are they going to honor God later in life? Eh, are they going to see the church's need to honor God? Not like the church, the, the different pictures of the family, you know, that I, yeah. I don't know. They're and if struggle. they do, it'll be despite the fact that it's not innate. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the, this is really important because all of those things, I think most Christian parents uh, would hear what you're saying and they'd say, yeah, that's what I want to do. Right, yeah. I want to teach my kid to be respectful to authority figures. Um, I want to teach them to to share. I want to I want to instill these things in them. But I think the problem is a lot of time is how. Yeah. In other words, you know, there's there's a spectrum here in terms of people's approach. There's a there's a very passive parent who gives lots of autonomy to their kids and kind of hopes for the hopes for all those good things yeah, to come true. Yeah. But the other mm. end of the spectrum, there's the type of parent who is authoritarian in nature and they uh, impose rules and guidelines to force a, a child to behave a particular way. And um, and you know, they rule over them to the point where decision making is almost impossible, right? right? So you got these two ends of the spectrum, but what does it look like for a Christian parent to teach this stuff? In other words, what should the general approach be? And uh, and I hope we can get into some like practical example-based uh, things here as we go, but what does it look like to truly instill these things? What are the keys to unlock proper Christian parenting? Yeah, I think there's there's probably a few keys and i would say the first one is that there's a difference between disciplining your child and training your child mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that just don't understand that and that's the permissive parent who just they allow their child to just go do whatever but then when they when they do something really bad that triggers the parental like oh you can't do that well then they go discipline that child for messing up okay well that's maybe sort of in some way training but but you're just you're training them not to do that one thing but you're not actually training them to do anything right it's a reactive approach it's a reactive approach right. okay so training needs to be a deliberate active process mm -hmm. yeah that's okay, really good so there's a goal in mind we're, we're going to train our children to be kind so, so I think, okay, so, so that's one key is recognize the difference between training and, and disciplining. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a lot of authoritarian, there's a difference between being authoritarian, which is my way or the highway, and yeah. I'm bigger than you are, and I'm right, and you're wrong, and there's nothing you can do about it, and, and you're right. just training your kids <laughs> to be like a dictator. Yeah, that's the whole provoke your child to wrath business. Yeah, what if I would have done that and now all my kids could just whoop me. They can. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Your so kids what, are pretty what strong. What if I would have trained them? Like, yeah, I'm the big macho guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, now I, I, I'd have to do what they tell me to. Right. Yeah. If that was the real rule. That's that's not how you train your kids and just purely authoritarian, the golden rule, whoever has the gold makes all the rules. No, no, you want to, but authoritative. Is, is different and that's what you want. Mm -hmm. So no, I, I, I am gonna be the authority in my child's life, but they have a lot of choices in there. They've got some flexibility and, and we're all doing this thing together and I'm exhorting them. Because it's under the Lord. It's not under the under, Lord. Not under you, it's under yeah. the Lord, it bypasses you. Exactly. Yeah. So, so okay, so that's that's one key is there's, there's a difference between training and discipline. And then I think another key, that we need to understand is that training, okay, that's also different than like reasoning with and having conversations with. The, the, the So train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old, he shall not depart from it. Man, what a promise from God's word. Mm -hmm. I love that. And there's a thing in there, like train them when they're young, when they're kids, when they're children, and when they're old, well, that's because you're trained, you're instilling a worldview in them. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't say teach them. It says train them. 
And this is because little kids don't reason very well. Mm-hmm. If, you know, my granddaughter wanted to climb on the rail of the deck and it's an upper level deck. It's like 12 feet above the ground. I didn't like describe to her the acceleration rate of gravity <laughs> and go through the natural laws. And right. I'm just like, no, don't do that. Yeah. She's like, but I'm like, no, you obey grandpa. She's mm-hmm. like, okay, yes, grandpa. Like, whoo, woohoo. Right. Okay. I, I'm not reasoning with her. I'm not trying to. It, so Galatians chapter four, it says that, you know, the heir, the guy who's going to inherit everything. He's just like a servant because he's just a little kid. He's under governors. That's someone who's controlling all this stuff and keeping him from jumping off the deck. And he's under tutors. That's yeah. people just teaching him stuff. He's mm-hmm. learning the ABCs along with all the other kids, even though he's going to be running everything someday. Mm-hmm. No, he just needs trained because he's a little kid. And I think a lot of it is, you know, we we think we, we should reason with our two-year-olds. Right. No, just train them. And then as they get older and they start asking why, that's when you start telling them why but until then it's just training and we parents need to be at peace the kids don't have to like it right my granddaughter doesn't have to like it that she can't climb on the rail it's like you know by the time you get up there it's probably 15 feet off the ground right well she can't climb on that i don't care if she wants to or not you know it's just the way i think this is a really important point because i think especially for people my age and younger millennials and, and gen zers who are beginning to have kids they're being taught a lot. I mean, just culturally that autonomy is super important, uh, that uh, people get to determine for themselves who they wanna be. uh, And the whole idea of consent and um, self-determination is important. And and you see parents probably unintentionally not even thinking about it, uh, allowing their kids to be and to do uh, as they please, uh, not out of wickedness or even a desire to implement some sort of like secular family ideal. These are Christian parents who often fail to be authoritative and and with their young children because there's this there's a a cultural perspective that says, well, it's okay if they or they go explore this. And, and so yeah. there's a balance here that has to be struck. And I don't know what if maybe you can speak into that a little bit. Yeah, I think so. In a biblical home, you know, we it's we have book, chapter, verse on the things we do. We're not leaning on our own understanding. Mm-hmm. In all our ways, we're acknowledging him. So I'm going to teach my kids, hey, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Right. So from the beginning, it's not my will being accomplished yeah. according to my self-determination. You know what? If I just take a bite of this apple, I'll be as gods and yeah. I'll determine good and evil for myself. That's yeah. where that's the spirit behind this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it's all about self-determination. Well, self-determination, you know, it, it's it, it it is very much the zeitgeist right now. Uh, I understand it. And and the whole authoritarian like i'm gonna take off my belt and i'm gonna chase you around the cornfield and you know whatever and and that that's where that's the pendulum has swung from some straw man that looks like that to uh the situation where it's all like if if i ask you to do something and it's not your idea that Mm -hmm. now you're a victim Mm -hmm. okay well no what's it's not about your will. So Paul is really good at exhorting. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, based on all the stuff we just saw about how merciful God is, I beseech you, I invoke you, I'm drawing you, I'm calling you in. Hey, guys, come here. Come here, guys. Let me, I beseech you. So there's an exhortation there. Mm -hmm. So the Bible has correction and reproof and admonition, but I think in terms of a parent, the more we can exhort, you know, you 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 set the bar that we're going to be a remnant. We're going to be part of a group, a, a company that has just like the Moravians, just yeah, like these, we're going to serve the Lord and, you know, and, and we're going to look different, but that's a good thing. But I'm going to take my will 
and I'm just going to surrender it to the Lord. Yeah. So, so this whole will, it, it comes down to whose will is at the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. Is it that two-year-old's? Okay. Because if it is, when he says mine, then you have to take that toy from his sister and you have to give it to him. The problem is this. She's saying the same thing. Mine. Okay. Permissive parent. Good luck with that. You only have one toy and two kids. Yeah. There's a dilemma. You just, it's because kids are willful and selfish at nature. Now they're cute and we love them. We do anything for them, but that will has to submit to God's yeah, will at some really point. Good. Now this needs to happen in the preschool years. Mm -hmm. Now they, they don't know the Lord yet, but they need to learn to surrender their will to the parents' will. Yeah, it's something they practice in preparation for fully serving God. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they can get it in those preschool years, and, and you just tell the kids, hey, that's ugly. That's an ugly hearted fit that you're throwing right yeah. now because you didn't get your way. And look at your sister. You just took that toy from her. Yeah. We're not going to do that. Yeah. That's ugly. We, we're going to, you need to give that back and say sorry. And mm -hmm. then, you know, they need to do that and right. they need to recognize what they did. No, that's, okay. that's good. And yeah. you said several things, though. I want to point something out that you mentioned. You, okay. you talked about this idea of Paul kind of invoking and inviting and, and mm -hmm. this winsome nature yeah. about the way that Paul led. A lot of times we talk about the best pastors, right? As Paul said, you have all these instructors, but but very few fathers, right? Yeah. And we use that and we apply that to the pastorate to say that a good pastor, a good leader is like a father and that's better, that's preferable. But it also kind of works in the reverse, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you wanna be a good father, then you need to be like a good pastor who uh, teaches with love. Yeah. Right. It so, and yeah. I think that's this thing that, that you spoke into a little bit is that if we're going to be parents that actually are effective with our one year old, two year old, three year old, there is this authoritative, this essential like I am actually the boss. Yeah. I am going to protect you from putting your finger in the light socket or putting things in your mouth that you shouldn't. I am because of your health going to make you eat your greens and <laughs> yes. and you know you're going to you're going to try all the food on your plate. Yeah. Um and there's these things that we have to have to determine we're instructing, we're teaching, we're provoking. But how crucial is the love part is to that? So like I think sometimes as parents um and this maybe leads us down the, the trail of talking about discipline. We can talk about that in a minute, but Yeah. I think we have a tendency to be enforcers uh, to the neglect of proving in love. And if we first prove with love, then it actually justifies the instruction. And maybe you can talk about that dynamic a little bit. Yeah, so <clears throat> I think that, that parents instinctively or intuitively, they love their children. Mm -hmm. uh, parents don't always express that love in a way that the, par that the kids can receive mm -hmm. it. And, you know, it was like the five love language books or whatever. And, right. and um, whether or not you want to read that book by Gary Chapman or not, it is crucial that a parent understands how his kid is wired and is able to speak that love language, if you will, mm -hmm. to them. You know, I love my kids. I provide a house over, you know, roof over their heads and food on the table. Okay. Well, they know I love them. Yeah, they don't know <laughs> right. you. They no. don't know you love them. Right, exactly. And they're going to grow up just like you. And mm -hmm. your grandkids are going to be like, "Grandpa knows I love him. I'm not going to come visit him." Or, or like, worse, you know. I mean, well, or worse, they'll be that plus not following Christ because they don't understand yeah, love. They don't understand the love of God. Hereby perceive we the love of God because Jesus laid down His life mm -hmm. for us. Okay, yeah. so parents. Okay, so I'm going to just assume that a Christian parent loves their kids. Yeah. And I'm just going to challenge them. Okay, how is that love perceived? Hereby perceive I the love of my father. Well, he says he loves me. He, he proved it. He proved it. Okay, so for me, do my kids know I love them? Okay, well, if we're talking about preschoolers, you got to tickle them. You got to read to them. You got to you gotta tuck them into bed. You have to spend time mm -hmm. with them. You need to go out in the yard and you know, find sticks or whatever you want to do with your kids. There, there needs to be the quality time is probably the most important thing. And then again, I would just go back to there's a difference between training and disciplining. So, you know, there's a difference as I invest in my child and as, as I try to reach these stated goals that my wife and I have determined, 
okay, we're going to teach them to be kind. We're going to mm-hmm. teach them to respect. We're going to teach them to obey. And those are the pillars that are going to guide our children's behavior in this home. And, you know, you can come up with your own. Those are pretty good ones. But, but you know, this is what we are actively doing. So you're setting up circumstances in which it's you're teaching and training them to, oh, hey, listen, mm-hmm. let's go pick flowers for mama. And just it's going to make her so happy. Yeah. And that's so that's an active, deliberate thing that you're doing and you're teaching, but, but it's time spent together. Yeah. And so without the love, you know, it's pretty hard to receive instruction from somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, who are you? Get, yeah. get away from me. I'm not doing what you. Okay. Well, mom, dad, without the perception of love, it, it's kind of hard to just keep listening to somebody right. all the time and then and then the your your point i think is the main point i if i am representing god as an earthly father god says i want to be your heavenly father well if earthly father doesn't love me they're they're, they're gonna have a really hard time with that first prayer dear father like right hmm, you're just messing the whole thing up yeah Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. I'm Craig Warner. I'm the kids pastor at First Baptist Church of New Philadelphia, Ohio, and a recent graduate of the Living Faith Bible Institute. LFBI was a great chance for me to grow, to learn, to continue my education without having to take time away from my family or my own ministry. In fact, being able to take classes at my own pace ultimately allowed me to be more effective in my ministry. I can't tell you how invaluable it is for LFBI to be structured in such a way that you're encouraged to implement what you learn in ministry and not just sit on the information for yourself. It was a great experience to hear from a variety of instructors uh, from other ministries and parts of the country in tandem with serving my local church. Through LFBI, I received a library of resources that I'll be able to reference for the rest of my life. It was curated by the experience and the countless hours of study put in by the instructors. I can't tell you how grateful I am for all those that invested in and equipped me for the work of the Lord. In addition to the information and resources, I was able to develop relationships with so many of the students and the instructors that have impacted my life and the way that I view ministry. There was a lot of info to retain and there's still a lot that I don't know, but perhaps the greatest takeaway from LFBI is the confidence to be able to compare scripture with scripture and rightly divide the word of truth so that I can be certain of what God says for myself. This is an approach to the Bible that will stay with me for the rest of my life. So if anyone's interested in learning what God's word has to say, I'd encourage you to sign up for the Living Faith Bible Institute. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. Okay, so I've got a couple questions for you okay. that have come out of that. But real quick, I was going to say that in terms of what you were saying, you know, I recognized in Clementine really early on, you know, my eldest son, uh, he was always very lovey and, and affectionate. And it was very easy for me to find ways of expressing love to him because he was just fairly cuddly. But Clementine was... Um, liberated little girl and she would she liked to run around and she liked to keep busy but the whole cuddling thing didn't come naturally to her and but i realized that how important it would be in terms of her development to understand that my love for her through the expression of physical love and so cuddling and hugging were really Mm -hmm. important to our family and so we actually had to force her to sit down and have we were proactive about making cuddle time. Yeah. And uh, and so as we did that in time, she's become very, very cuddly. We taught her how to be that way. And I'm so thankful that we kind of we kind of worked that and massaged it, even though it wasn't natural to her. If I would left her to herself yeah. uh, and said, oh, well, we'll just express love other ways. Well, you know what? She would have missed out on a part of affection that's super important yeah and a way that i could prove love that was super important to her development and so we just were very proactive you're going to sit down we're going to turn the tv off i'm going to whisper i'm going to i'm going to cuddle you i'm going to tickle you and you're going to grow comfortable with this physical contact thing and now she's the most cuddly she's kid a, we have yeah that's perfect so i think parents learning to be proactive in the way they think 
and is the word that you use is active. Yeah. What are some other ways that parents can be proactive? Maybe some other examples about, you talked about doing things like, hey, let's go pick flowers for mom. Mm -hmm. that, that took, you predetermined as a parent that you were gonna create scenarios in which your kids had to learn certain values. And I know you've done this with your sons, even as they got older, um, you would give them lists of chores and things to do just to teach them how to listen and obey. Yeah. I remember you telling me stories. So what, maybe you can give us a few examples of ways that parents can be really proactive in that zero to five range about teaching them activities and things that are crucial to their development. So I, I would, so in terms of, of training in them, the things that you've set up, so let's just say that, that you wanted to teach them to obey. Okay, and then you wanted to teach them to be kind and you wanted to teach them to respect. Okay, so, you know, you could set aside a certain time. So, so you know, if it's mom that's home with the kids on Mondays, okay, so Mondays after breakfast, we're just gonna work on godly character development in our kids. And so, you know, the kid doesn't know that. Mm -hmm. They don't know that you're doing that, but you've set aside a certain time and you're just gonna focus on on one of those things and pro, like, like you did, it's like, okay, no, we're gonna shut off the TV. We're gonna cuddle on the couch and you will, you know, learn to love it or else we'll you know, have to figure something else out. But right. the goal is you're gonna learn to to perceive love from your father mm -hmm. as it's given. That's, that's awesome. Okay, mm -hmm. so the same thing. So, okay, well, so, we're gonna teach them to respect. So, okay, so I'm gonna teach my my three-year-old to say, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. So we're gonna practice that, you know? Yes, teacher, yes, Sunday school teacher, yes, what, you know, and you mm -hmm. just teach them that. And, and then I would do it in a way that's exciting, that's exhorting. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, this is what the Bible says. We're, we're supposed to honor our mother and father. So when dad comes home and he tells you something, and you say, yes, daddy, just, I want you to watch his face. He's gonna be so happy because mm -hmm. you're obeying God. And so the, so I would, you know, just set aside that time during the week where we're gonna just work on character development, have your own little preschool discipleship <laughs> curriculum. Right. Okay, yeah. so, so then we're gonna learn to be considerate. We're gonna learn to pick up our toys so that we don't make mom pick them up. We're mm -hmm. gonna, you know, and so I, I would say just set aside some time for that and be deliberate about, you know, being kind. How can we be kind? Our hands are for helping, not for hurting. Mm -hmm. We're going to give, we're not going to take. So let's practice. Let's go practice yeah. this. Put and them then, in situations where they have to employ those. And then you put them in situations. Yeah. So dad's going to come home. He's going to give, like, he's already been, you know, prepped. Mm -hmm. So when he comes home, he'll give some instruction. And then when she says, yes, daddy, he's going to make a big deal of that. And mm -hmm. you're just training your child to respect and do what the yeah. Bible says. But you're doing it in a way, you're not disciplining them for being disrespectful, you're training them proactively yeah. to be obedient to what God says. And then, man, that's that's huge. But I would just say whatever goals you have, put some time in your week and then as a couple, you work through what it is you wanna be working on and your mm -hmm. kids will kind of show you because they'll actually get snotty. Right. They'll get disrespectful. It's, oh, it's time to work on respect. They'll get real flippant. Oh no, it's time to work on obedience. Like 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 they kind of go yeah. through things, and and you kind of know what to work on because the flesh. Oh sure, is, yeah, it's a is doing the opposite. Well, yeah, yeah. We're gonna do episodes where we talk about what it means to raise elementary school and, and high school kids. Oh yeah, too. okay. So we'll, we'll slowly work our way into those topics as well. Okay. Yeah. But what you're pointing out is it's in the little things. Yeah, it's in the little things. It's deliberate small things over time produce the character. That, yeah. we, that we want to develop. But the problem is so often that parents aren't very intentional and it's the little things because of the, uh, you know, the ubiquity of entertainment mm -hmm. uh, that we lose track of little things. We become more negligent as a lifestyle uh, because we're, kind, we're a little bit brainwashed and distracted. Like we're looking for the next entertainment opportunity. And so we fail to use those little quiet, still meditative moments to capitalize on something that we want to get done. Yeah. 
And I think you, what you're pointing out is really important. I think all parents need to learn that. Yeah, so screen time, you you wanna limit screen time. Mm -hmm. And that goes for mom and dad, and especially kids while their brain's developing though. Mm -hmm. So screen, the more screen time, the more depression, the more anxiety, the more psych visits, three times. Three times, so, so if a kid is on his or her tablet, okay, girls do worse, adolescent girls do worse, mm -hmm. but for seven hours a day, so like COVID scenario, three times the number of psych visits compared to, to the normal, a kid who's not on their screen seven hours a day. So the more screen time, which is what they want because it's so entertaining, it just brings them to depression and brings them to anxiety. Yeah. And then their brain is not developing. Their creativity especially is being limited. Their learning, their interactions. They're, we're raising a generation of people who don't know how to interact. Yeah, yeah. And they're gonna just, it's a trap. And it's and what you're saying is so important because it doesn't seem like a biblical issue. Well, I mean, what if I let my kid watch Veggie Tales for three hours on the car drive? Well, that used to be a time where parents interacted and spoke. Well, I don't want them to be loud. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to focus on driving and I've got other things I want to talk to my wife. And it's easier, you know, on the car ride if they're just quiet. Oh, and yeah. So, okay, of course it's easier. Uh, of course, they'll be. It'll be more hectic if you don't have that mechanism to distract them. But that's not the point. That's not the point. You're losing training time. Yes. And uh, okay, so what if you need to clean the house and you need a distraction-free environment where your kids are quiet? Well, that's not the point. The I, point is is that you can utilize those small times, those quiet moments, to capitalize on things that you need to teach them. And your child needs to learn to work. Right. So they need to work with you. Right. So it's harder to work with your kids and have them pick up with you and dust with you and wipe things down and mm -hmm. vacuum with you. But that's they need to learn to do that. And it's interactive time with mom and dad. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk for a moment uh, about about the issue of discipline. We've already established that discipline actually makes up a very minor part of parenting. It's a it's a smaller part training as a whole you know is more like inviting and yes. moving and shifting and talking and making things exciting that's what training is mainly that but there's a small part of training that is discipline yeah and and uh and i think we like you said we overemphasize it sometimes or maybe we just don't talk about it enough but can you explain how establishing from an early age in that zero to five range especially uh, a consequence yeah uh you know, uh, you know, a Proverbs ten thirty four style consequence is critical, and the, what's the right way of employing that kind of consequence for for a for a young child? So, you know, God doesn't just let us <laughs> sin and then mess up our lives as His children indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're gonna reap. I mean, consequences hurt. And I think <clears throat> if kids don't fear the Lord, it's pretty hard to find your way, you know? And it, so you got a postmodern situation where a kid's own self-will is at the center of everything. And there's no such thing as absolute truth. It's, it's just a Lord of the Flies. I mean, how does a kid navigate that? Yeah. No wonder kids are so messed up as they grow. But if kids will learn early on, there's painful consequences to certain things, they stop doing those things. You know, so a kid touches the hot stove, yeah, once, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they, they, ride their bike down the gravel road without hands at once, okay? Mm -hmm. There's just certain things you don't do again because mm -hmm. the consequences are negative and you just learn what not to do. Right. All right, parents, teach your kids what not to do. If you love them, you're not going to let them climb on the rail of the deck 15 feet above the ground. If you love them, you're not going to let them be selfish. You know how miserable selfish people are in life? Mm. They're miserable and they're lonely. And don't let your child have a miserable, lonely life by teaching them it's okay to be selfish. 
you got to train that out of them. And and then so when when there is a, a ugly, selfish, me monster fit, you you can't just let that go. You have to address that. And that's where discipline comes in and 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 you teach them what not to do. And you, what you're doing is just protecting them from a fruitless, frustrating life. Mm-hmm. And so discipline would include attitude. So it's not just behavior modification. Yeah. So you kids are so loud, it's driving me crazy. Get over here, we're gonna deal with that. Well, yeah. wait a minute. So there's like a decibel threshold. That's what we're talking about? No, we're talking about disciplining for okay so if we're trying to teach kids to respect to obey and to be kind Mm -hmm. well then we're going to discipline for disrespect for disobedience and for you know being mean Mm -hmm. selfish mean behaviors that's what we're gonna discipline for because we're that that's these are our goals that we're deliberately working to instill and so you don't just discipline for behavioral modification, you discipline for attitude adjustment. Yeah, the heart attitude is what God cares about. The Exactly. Behavior is yeah. important. It's a thing. It's a thing. But it's not the root thing. That's a symptom. Yes. It's not the root thing. The root thing is what's happening at the heart level. So, so, so maybe it would go like this. Some kid throws a fit and it's like, huh, do we need to do an attitude adjustment? Because what you're doing right now, that's just, it looks like you got a dirty, ugly heart in there, you say to your two or three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I bet. It's like, okay, well, do we need to go do an attitude adjustment or are you going to choose to just be kind? Yeah. And you give them that choice. And and then if they say, you know what, I see where this is going. I'm just going to give the toy back and choose to be kind. Okay, wonderful. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, which they're not gonna, you know, probably have to talk. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, well then let's go adjust that attitude. No, I, I love what you're saying because I love the story of the prodigal son, right? Because there was a behavioral issue, but there was an attitude issue. Yeah. But then we come back to the older son and he was he was obeying, but with the wrong heart attitude. Yes. And and that gets chastised as well, right? In other words, the, the heart attitude is significant. So often I tell my kids to tell each other sorry, right? Exactly. Like you should probably apologize for what you did. That was, yeah. that was hurtful. And then they do the action of saying sorry, but you can hear beneath that the tone that they haven't fully repented of the beha- the behavior or attitude. Yeah, and um, and so that then actually that still has to be addressed. I'm not done as a parent. No, you're not. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think what you're saying is really important. Making sure that we're addressing the heart is is crucial, and that's why explanation is I think important. Yeah. So the child, and again. It's hard with a two-year-old. Yeah, they're not reasonable. You're just training them. We're not going to hit. We're not going to bite. We're not going to steal. We're not Mm going to throw fits. That was a fit. Okay, so then, you know, and as the kids get older, there's an explanation there. Mm -hmm. But then here's the important thing. There's also a way. Yes. There is a way to do what's right in this situation. So, look, I know you wanted that toy. And I know you're frustrated. That sounds horribly frustrating, but we're, we're not going to sin. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we're, we, we know we have to be kind and you aren't being kind. So we're going to deal with this. But listen, here's what you can do. Here's how you fix this. Here's how you do well in this situation. So I'm not just disciplining my kid because I'm mad because they're, they're being noisy. No, right. no, I, I am actively, I'm giving this child a way now to repent. So check this out. They can submit their will to the will of their father, which they know what's right. Mm-hmm. Even a two-year-old knows yeah. throwing a fit is ugly. Right. You know, and you can always point that out to them. Yeah, this is yucky. Hey, look at that. Right now. That kid's throwing a fit. That's so ugly. <laughs> you see that? You see that? <laughs> can you believe? You know, and you're, they're just like, oh, I did that yesterday. Okay. <laughs> okay, but then I'm giving them a way now to do what's right. So mm-hmm. listen, hey, listen, child. If you will just submit your will to me, there is a way forward for you to do well. So I'm not crushing their spirit. Right. I'm getting them to submit their will to their father. Mm -hmm. And they know I love them. Yeah, a a path towards full reconciliation is is critical. They need to know that that they can't fake their way through this. (laughs) Uh, that, That what we're looking for is a a path for them to reconsider their ways, yes. you know, and to make it right and to and act on what's right and to, so that the next time this comes up, 
it's that they're that much closer to making the right decision instead of the wrong one, the one they made the last time. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't deal with that attitude, then they're just going to be mad about it. Mm -hmm. They're just going to go out and they're going to do something mean to their sibling later when you're not looking. But if you can deal with that attitude, you can get them to submit, you get them to say, okay, you know, yeah. And then there's peace. There's peace. And they actually did well. Mm -hmm. They actually turned that thing around. They repented. And then they went and gave it, they they give it back. And then you hug your friend or whatever. And then then it's like, okay, we're all done. And there's peace and, and, and that. So I think a lot of times too, you know, when we're talking about, you've kind of talked about, you know, making sure it's clear to them what, what's the bad, what was the bad behavior? Yes. You know, what was it that was wrong? Um, you know, reinforce that with some sort of consequence, yeah, right? Right. Discip- some sort of discipline that's associated with that. Like, this is bad. You need to understand that there's a consequence for this. But then going as far as saying, okay, how do we correct that? You've had a failure. How do we correct that moving forward, having a path to move forward? And then knowing that they're completely forgiven and loved despite the fact that they just messed up. Exactly. All of those things are really important. But again, that's not the same thing as a parent. So many of the Christian parents think they're doing right by just by just disciplining, by yeah. just responding. A general response is not sufficient. No. And that's that's, the, that's typically um, kind of a, a parent who doesn't understand the proactive, deliberate nature of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're just overwhelmed. Yeah. Maybe they have not prioritized early childhood development as much as they should have. And, you know, and, and, and maybe people listening to this podcast, okay, so you've got kids and you've got ministry and you've got Bible studies and you've got church, you got Tuesday night prayer and, and every night of the week, you're just kind of overwhelmed and, and busy and having little ones in this age group, it is 24 seven. Yeah. So unless they're sleeping. They're just like little leeches. You just you're or the remoras. Mm-hmm. Like they're just every, they're just always needy. It seems yeah. like. Mm-hmm. And then the go to if you're overwhelmed, you're probably your go to is probably a screen. Yeah. So I think sometimes it may be not so much that people don't care or they don't understand. They're just kind of overwhelmed. And I think that this is an age and stage when like when we had little ones. You know that was Christine's thing. She would really focus on that. Mm-hmm. And there were times she would have to say no to, to ministry, even to the point where, you know, she was told, well, you should be able to do more. And she's like, well, you know, probably, but I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not gonna, because right now I'm, I'm dealing with this behavior yeah. issue and one of my kids and I need to be home and I need to be focused. And I was gone a lot. So, so she, you know, she just had complete peace that's really important. And, I think that's something you have to resolve before the Lord, isn't it? I mean, no one can tell you what your capacity is. Exactly. God has made every person so dis- different and distinct in terms of their personalities and their abilities, and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And the kids' personalities and tendencies and that, yeah. neediness, and that can change over time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, so I think taking a step back and saying, what is it that I need to, because what God's given me is these children. There's yeah. no way around that. Uh, they're here <laughs> yeah. and I'm responsible. I'm a steward to disciple them and make sure that they turn out right. You know, before someone pairs me for discipleship at church, if my, the discipleship in my home isn't right, then I actually don't have time or energy or capacity. Yeah. And I think people need to be okay and at peace with making decisions that prioritize the ministry of their home. Yeah. You know, and I think that, that, you know, I think mom's, probably especially just need to be bold, you know, and just be able to say, you know, and I'm not talking about like, you know, with their husbands, I'm just saying with other people, they should say, no, this is my main ministry right now. And it's just a season of life. Yeah. Anybody like who's been through foundations three can disciple that person. Right. But there's only one person on this planet who can parent these kids. And I understand after listening to the podcast that there's certain (laughs) thresholds developmentally that if we miss those, we are hindering our kids from really seeing God for who he is and living life how they should live. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to focus on this right now. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do anything else. And Right. It's not a pass to be negligent. No, no. Right. right? But that's something you got to work out before the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah. You can't get, you shouldn't be allow yourself to be bossed into something that you're not actually prepared yeah, for. Yeah, don't get guilted into yeah. doing something. And, and then mom's group is awesome because like they can like share, like, okay, you watch my kids on this day mm -hmm. and I'll watch your kids on that day. And then you can do Bible study or disciple and you can help ah, get out of the house for once. But you mm -hmm. know that the person who's training your kids is deliberately and actively training your kids to obey God and, and respect mm -hmm. their, their mother and father and be yeah. kind or or whatever it is that, right. that those, you know, they, and they know how to discipline biblically and they're not afraid to do, you know what I mean? So that sort of, uh, you know, where you share yeah, responsibilities. An, an allegiance, an alliance an of, al of mother, um, mother alliance. Moms need yeah. to take advantage of that, yeah. especially in busy churches where people want to be involved in ministry, but mm -hmm. at the same time recognize these things we're talking about today. So, you know, in closing, because we have talked about a lot, there's always more to say, um, yeah. but I want to close with this, just something very practical. What's the advice that you give to parents who want to be more intentional? How, how do they uh, make a plan? What does making the plan look like? So say they listen to this podcast or they're inspired to uh, consider what the values of their home need to be, what are the biblical principles that they wanna emphasize and they need to make a plan. How do they go about doing that? Yeah, so I think the keys there would be, first of all, you have to do it together as a couple. Mm -hmm. This can't be mom and dad deciding something individually, it has to be, has to be a, a father yeah. and a mother that have determined that this is worth doing and we're gonna sit down, you know, and, and just figure out some some simple principles upon which we're gonna build. Mm -hmm. Like a self-willed child is a miserable child. Yeah. Don't appease your child, teach them contentment. Oh my goodness, you will save them a lifetime of frustration. Mm -hmm. I know adult men and they can't get along in ministry because it, people aren't doing things their way. Mm -hmm. They didn't learn at three and four, I can choose to be okay because right. God's got it. It's like, yeah, I can be okay because God's got it. You just learned it. You teach them that. Sure, sure. You teach them contentment, not appeasement. You're so so the, the stuff like that, and it needs to be book, chapter, verse. Don't lean on your own understanding. I mean, that's never worked out. So, mm -hmm. obey God, respect God. You know, yeah. the fear. Uh, th those are the kind of things. And then you you figure out then when are we going to work on these things with our kids, and how can we work together to instill these things? Yeah, that's good. And so if you if if someone needs help getting together on that, which may well be the case, mm -hmm. I, I, I we've I've done this multiple times. So she's she's been dealing with these kids all day and they're breaking every rule in the book. And the minute dad gets home, these kids need discipline. Well, dad's been gone all day where and he gets home and as soon as he gets home, all the kids are in trouble and he's the bad guy, never to work through how to if you have trouble getting on the same page, just get help with that. Yeah, get your get your pastor involved. Yeah, get your pastor, an elder then, that you trust. Yeah, and, and have someone mediate the plan making. Yeah, someone yeah. can help you with that, and then just keep it simple. Yeah, don't come up with a seven page outline on. You're never going to do any of that. No, but teach them to obey God, to respect God and others, and then to be kind. Mm -hmm. Everything I learned, I needed to know. I learned in kindergarten, kind of a thing, and just yeah. build that foundation for them. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, and then there's there's a, there's a billion books out there. Like mm -hmm. there are more books on parenting for Christians, I think, than just because of this issue. It's People don't deal. know how to to sure. do it, maybe. Sure. And um, well, I'm thankful for you being kind of our in-house expert with all the kids you've raised and seeing them from you know childhood all the way through adulthood now. Um, yeah, and uh, and seeing the testimony that they are even in our church. They've grown up to be ministers in their own right. And, um, and so we're thankful for your testimony. And we're thankful that you, you got to share it with the audience today. Well, I'm glad to be here. Um, it's just the grace of God. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't do everything right, but, but we were all about serving the Lord together as a family and individuals. And we just are, that's what our kids learned. They just yeah. grew up doing that and we never stopped. And so, yeah. 
Praise God. It's good to be here. It's it's good to have you, Chris. And we're so thankful for you as well, the listener. Uh, you join us week after week after week uh, to hear men and women of God share their heart. And I pray that today was a blessing to you, that there were very practical things that you can learn. I know a lot of the listeners don't have children yet. You might not even be married, but these are things that you could be thinking about and planning about uh, for when the time comes where you do have a, a, a wife or a husband and you do need a plan uh, for children. And there's things that, that today's episode might have brought to your attention. So uh, we also want to encourage you. Pastor Chris teaches the children and youth ministry class in our Bible Institute. And you can learn a lot about children's ministry and even just the development of children would be a blessing to not just the person who works in a Sunday school class, but actually to the parent as well. And so if that interests you, go to lfbi.org, check out our entire program of study, all the classes that we have to offer for leaders, uh, people who wanna learn and study God's word for themselves. We wanna invite you to check that out. But we're thankful that you're here with us today and we wanna invite you back next week for another episode. We love you and God bless.